This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Welcome in. It is Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, uh, 1250amthefan.com, along with our guy Nathan Marzion. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. You can follow Nathan at Nathan Marzion. And uh, I got to talk about this crappy Milwaukee Bucks basketball team. Uh, and I didn't think I'd be saying the word crappy and Milwaukee Bucks basketball team after they traded for Damian Lillard this year. I'll be honest. I didn't think those words would ever come out of my mouth, no matter what happened. But as good as December was for the Milwaukee Bucks, January has been just as bad. I believe they only have one win this month uh, to this point as they lose another one, this time to the Utah Jazz. And I-, I will say this, Marcus Johnson, I love you more now than I've loved you in the past. I mean, I've always loved Marcus Johnson. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, always been a fan Dating back to when he was doing Pac-12 games, we'd have him on the big show all the time. I told him, we're going to eventually get that number retired. He said, there's no chance that's happening. There's just no chance. We got the number retired. And I'm telling you, last night, if you were had the audio on watching the Bucks game, he's never been more pissed off during a basketball game and was verbally saying how mad he was getting as he was last night in the first half of that game. And as I'm watching, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if the Bucs will reprimand or be mad that he is being as negative as he is and pissed off as he is watching the first half. But no, I don't, I don't think that's happened. I, I think they just kind of let him do what he wants to do and say what he has to say. And he was speaking on behalf of the fans. I think the fans were just as pissed off. Before that game, Marcus Johnson is like, okay, Giannis had to say what he had to say, kind of threw the gauntlet down. I expect this team to come out and respond and let's see what it looks like. And they came out and laid an egg. And it was like, holy crap. Like, this is not what this should look like at this point. And it got so bad, they played Livingston, for God's sakes, who never plays uh, the rookie uh, for the Bucs. So it, it was horrible in the first half. They had they showed fight in the second half. Yeah, they kind of came back and got, did they get to single digits ever? Eight or nine, maybe? Yeah, got to eight. Um, yeah, eight. Um, and, and they played way better in the second half. Um, after Adrian Griffin showed them a bunch of clips at halftime of how they were getting embarrassed, uh, they came out and played better in the second half. I, I just, if, if that whole Giannis thing, didn't wake them up. I mean, what the hell is going to wake them up, Nathan? I mean, it was it was very frustrating. It was the ugliest first half they basically could have played. I mean, you were down with 77-46, both ends of the court. It wasn't like it was just the defense. You know, right. they've had they've had games this year where, yeah, they give up 70 points in the first half, but they're scoring 60-65. So it's like, all right, you know, the offense is keeping us in it. This one was both ends of the court. You know, Chris was awful in the first half. The only guy that was really okay was Giannis on offense. The defense just, they were getting torched from the three-point line, which hasn't happened much this year. Um, that's something that kind of was an issue under Bud for like a few years, but they actually have been one of the better teams at like limiting, you know, I think they had the second lowest three-point percentage allowed going into that game. Um, it was just always the problems were in the paint. And then this one, it kind of flipped. Like, okay, they were they were... Defending the paint decently well in the first quarter, but the the Jazz were just getting threes up and knocking down everything. And so, I mean, it's 
it's a tough position to be in because it's like you you don't you know I, I mean I Giannis always says it and I like to say it, you can't stop everything but right now it doesn't feel like they can almost stop anything you know it's like they're getting torched one or the other no matter what um and so it's just been a very very ugly stretch here they're yeah one and five one and four in their last five and that one win was that close win against the Spurs and even that you know that Cavs game before that one they started out slow they did come back but the Cavs missed a lot of open three so they got a little lucky in that one um the Christmas game they looked bad you know they it's just been a lot of ugly games lately and they've definitely gone on a little bit of a skid here um you know and obviously not having Dame last night and having Dame shooting so poorly the game the few games before that does not help at all you know that's something that you expect will get better you expect normally Dame's going to put up 25 to 30 pretty good efficiency shoot the ball well which will help things overall you know of course they're going to look worse when Damian Lillard is playing as bad as he has been like that's not a that's not a secret so um that's a clear area that they can improve but again as far as the defense it's you don't really see how it's going to improve much unless they make some type of trade like I don't see this being something that they're going to totally just figure out, you know, with this team and, and, Oh, it'll all be fine. Getting Jay Carter back helps a little bit. It has, it's another guy you can put out there. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen the young guys have to play a lot and they're just very inconsistent. You know, Marjan was pretty bad defensively yesterday. Andre Jackson, his defense comes and goes. Sometimes he's just over aggressive. I feel like Jay should provide some type of consistency where, okay, you know what you're getting from him most of the time. And so that, again, that will help to just have that guy and not be relying so much on playing these young guys, turning to the young guys, turning to, you said, Chris Livingston last night. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I just, you know, I, I think they're going to need to make some type of trade, get a defender in here and go from there. Cause I just don't see the path to this defense being really good unless you have one or two more guys added to this lineup. And that, you know, that, that can play some pretty consistent defense. Let's talk about Brook Lopez because that's a guy that everybody is sick of too. Because people are are of the opinion that he doesn't look like he cares or that he's trying as hard as he has in the past and so forth. And I'm sorry if you watch that game last night, it's hard not to see his point. I mean, the dude is constantly running at shooters out on the wing, and then they either make the shot or don't make the shot, and then he's got to get back, run back on defense, and so forth. This dude is probably thinking to himself, I do not want to do this all year. Like, this is not something I want to do. I'm seven feet tall. I'm supposed to be down blocking shots and so forth. And it's to the point, at one point, he chased after a shooter, and they had Markinen uh, and Kessler both inside playing volleyball with each other, tipping the shot up, and eventually got a foul on Connaughton because Lopez was out there by the three-point line watching a volley before he could get back in there and help. That's a type of stuff that you can't have. I mean, you're giving up second-chance points because they're taking your center on a, on a switch way the hell away from the basket. Their bigs are inside against nobody for you. The closest big you may have is Bobby Portis or maybe Giannis. Uh, and then you're at a huge disadvantage around the rim and close. That has been one of my biggest issues, and you know this, by having Brooke Lopez chasing all over the damn court. And they, they for a while, he wasn't doing it as much, and now we're back to him running all over the place. And again, you're going to you're gonna scheme it up. Like As soon as Brooke gets onto a guard, either they're going to drive past Brooke uh, or they're going to make that that pass to somebody cutting down the lane because there's nobody to protect the rim at that point. They're going to they're going to game plan to kind of take Brook Lopez defensively out of the mix, and when they do that, the Bucks have no answer. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily like like to me, it's not it hasn't been a problem of with Brook Lopez specifically. I think it's more again the lack of perimeter defenders and the way they're you know the the scheme that they're using has 
really led to him not being as good defensively as he normally is. Now he's, he, he had a really good stretch. Like, you know, again, when they were playing well in December, like he was really good blocking a ton of shots. Um, but he's also, when they've struggled, he's been, you know, one of the guys that you're like, okay, like how does he really fit in this thing? Because when that scheme isn't, it, 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 you know, when they're running that type of aggressive scheme and when they're, um, you know, getting blown by and all of a sudden Brooke has to come out a little bit further. And all of a sudden, um, you know, when guys just can't stay in front, those perimeter defenders, it kind of just screws everything up. Cause yeah, then Brooke has to go out further, you know, all of a sudden the lane's exposed, all of a sudden the perimeter, it's easier to score on him than it is on, on other guys. Cause he's just a little bit slower out there. So you got to figure out a way. And I don't think the solution is to trade Brooke. I think he's still very valuable as a rim protector. I think in the right scheme and, and in the right situations, like he is still one of the better defenders in the league when he's like, when he's used correctly and when he stays around the rim, um, are there matchups where you're going to have to play him less or, or times where you have to play him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that doesn't mean you have to get rid of him. That doesn't mean that he's not valuable at all. That was kind of true all the time. You know, we've always had stretches, even when they won the title where there's just like stretches where, okay, he can't play as much. Like he's not as valuable in this situation because they're finding ways to exploit him. You know, that that's what comes with. There's no, the other thing is, I mean, people, there, there's no seven foot, guy that can block shots like that and hit threes that is also mobile on the perimeter and plays great defense. Like it, it doesn't exist. You know, there's, that's what comes with having a guy like that is okay. Yeah. He's really big. He blocks shots. He's great protecting the rim. He can hit threes. He checks all those boxes. The only thing is he's not, you know, he's obviously not great defending the perimeter because he's a little bit slower. Like the player that can do all of those things doesn't really exist. And so I don't see a trade out there. That's like, all right, go get that guy because he's perfect at all of these things. Like, no, you know, if a guy's, you know, mobile enough to to hit threes and defend on the perimeter, well, he's probably not the the shot blocker and the rim protector that Brooke Lopez is. And so, again, I don't think the solution is to trade him. Um, you know, would I be able, like, would I would I be listening to calls for him? Yeah, sure. Like, I don't, I'm not saying he's completely off limits, but I just, I think it's got to be something where you're, you're, upgrading the perimeter defense to keep him down low more often. And you're adjusting that scheme a little bit to not have him being as aggressive coming out as often. And so you're kind of using him to hit. Like, again, I, I feel like that's been a problem with Griff is he's not playing to their advantages. He's not playing to pl each player's advantages. It feels like a lot of on both ends. It seems like guys are sometimes in positions that just aren't their ideal position. They're not their ideal spots to be in and like that's your job as a coach is to like maximize everything you have out there you know when brooks out there your job is to keep him around the rim as much as possible and i don't think the scheme has done that i don't think and again some of its personnel you know if they get better personnel it can help that but i think you got to see some adjustments in that in that sense and that can help him be be more valuable and get back to what we're used to with him when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll give you something else. You know, if you see Brooke Lopez, maybe he's not running as hard back down the court, not, not closing out as much, kind of standing there watching his guy shoot the three, whatever. I'll tell you right now what I'd do. Okay, well, I'm going to get him involved in offense immediately. 
Like next play down, I'm calling him in a low block. I'm going to throw him the ball and let him score. And I'm going to get him going offensively because if he feels good that he's touching the ball on offense and he's not doing all this running around, not getting paid off on the other side of the floor, maybe I can get him more engaged in doing what I want on the defensive side of the floor. So we're going back to old school, Brooke, and you're just going to pound guys inside when you have the advantage. And again, they haven't they haven't really done that per se nearly as much as they obviously could have. Not to mention the fact that when you're in that situation, now I can get one of their bigs maybe in foul trouble and get a couple fouls on them and get them out of the game. And you just don't you don't see that a lot. The the quickest way to get somebody more involved on defense is to get them more involved on offense. Because once they're involved on offense, now they care a lot more about what's going on on the other side of the floor because they feel more involved in the game. Where if you're running down on defense and it's going from Middleton to Giannis to Lillard to Beasley and all the way around and you're not seeing the ball and you're not getting any touches and then you got to run back down and chase all over the court and then run back down and not be involved in another play, I could I could assume uh, that that probably gets to be frustrating at times for Brooke or whoever the case may be that we're talking about that might be a big not involved in the offense. And I also just think that sometimes it looks like these guys aren't trying, but you know, and I'm not saying that they're always given hundred percent in these situations, but I think some of that also is just them having a slower type of team. You know, they Brooke, Chris, Dame's, you know, they're just not, and Dame can, Dame is a, is a burst type of player. Like he gets going when he needs to, but when he's running around out there, he's not usually flying around. He's more of the, the casual, the, um, kind of smooth, just like he's not, he's not going crazy, trying to, trying to speed things up all the time. And I think that that comes off to people sometimes like they're not trying like Chris, sometimes just cause he's slow, looks like he doesn't care or that he, he's, he's not trying, he's not fighting. And it's like, well, no, like that's just kind of like, I don't think Brooke Lopez not flying out to the perimeter or something on a, on a closeout is, Oh, he's not trying. Like, that's just not who how about he is not raising your hand when a guy takes a shot in your face. How about standing there, not raising your hand? What would you? It depends where the shot. It depends where the shot's from. Three. If he's, but he's usually not right in a player's face on from three. He's usually near the paint. Right, but I I watched in this last game, Middleton didn't raise his hand on one or two shots where he was right in front of the guy. Never even raised his hand. Guy just rolls up above him and took the shot. Never even put his hand up. Brooke Lopez did it once, I think, in that game. I mean, there are certain type of things where when you're in position, I expect you to do the right thing. Then I got to listen to Adrian Griffin in the post game tell me that, well, you know, we just got to rebound better. We got to put a body on a body and we got to do all this stuff. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, this could be a high school coach talking to his team. This could be an elementary school coach talking to your team. We're talking about boxing out and putting bodies on guys and so forth. And every time they lose, he has the same line about what they need to do better and how things are going to get better. But when we start talking about putting a body on a guy and boxing on stuff, those are effort plays. You don't have to be fast. That's just find the guy nearest to you and putting your butt in him and making sure he can't get a rebound. That's that's all effort. That's all effort plays. That is not talent. That is simply move your feet and find somebody. And when they're not doing that consistently, then that's effort. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, those things are fair. I'm just talking more about there's times where they look slow or again, like, you know, Chris will have his ugly turnover and it's just like, they're just, it, it, sometimes it comes across like they're, they're not trying or that um, they don't care that they're not giving any effort. I don't always take it that way. Now it, there's obviously moments during the game that, yeah, like the, like that, that was bad effort. You know, they, you got to close out better on that. You got to box out better on that. You got to chase that rebound down all of that stuff. Um, but I'm just saying that not always, especially with this team not, it's not always, going to be you know they're not always slow because of a lack of effort they're sometimes slow because that's just their style and going back to what you said about Lillard 
that irritates the hell out of me too, to be honest with you. The whole nonchalant, I'm going to be cool and kind of just jog down the court. But now I have the ball in offense, and now all of a sudden I can run really fast. That type of stuff does drive me no, nuts. I, but he doesn't. He. I don't think he does it as much defensively as he does offensively. He honestly, like, and that's why I don't have a huge problem with it because he is usually, for the most part, he gets back defensively. Um, he doesn't always, like, I feel like there's times where he's either bringing the ball up or someone else is bringing the ball up and he's kind of either walking or kind of slowly jogging yep. up the court. Now, again, I don't mind that as much on offense because to me, if you're doing that on defense, that's like a selfish thing. Like you have to get back on defense. Now, offensively, it can be, okay, we're just setting things up, whatever. Like he might just be like catching his breath. Whatever. I mean, I'd rather you catch your breath a little bit on offense so it doesn't come off as you know selfish, disrespecting the team than doing that on defense where you're not trying. So to me, yeah. I've seen it more on offense than defense. Like I see, I, I, and I'm again, I'm not saying I like it, but if that's just his style of like, okay, I'm not going to always sprint back on offense and sprint this ball up all the time and, and speed things up. Like I'm more of the, all right, I'll get the ball and I'll slowly dribble it up um, type of player. You know, again, maybe that helps him catch his breath just a little bit. And like, um, I think Giannis does that too. Like I think Giannis, and we see all the time when he's at the line, I think he takes a, a, a while at the line and he takes a while when he falls down, I think to catch his breath. Like, I think he values that type of time to say, Hey, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take this 10 seconds to catch my breath while I'm bringing the ball up the court rather than push, 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 push. And all of a sudden you're all gassed. Um, so I don't know. Now to the other side of that, what I don't like is, okay, I go up, I come down, I don't get a foul call. So now I'm going to argue with a ref. And now we're playing five on four on the other side of the yeah. floor while I'm arguing and kind of jogging a court, still talking to the ref while my other team, my rest of my teammates have to play defense. And that's not just a Giannis thing. That's a Brooke Lopez thing. He does that crap a lot. Yeah. And L- Lillard's done that. Yes. Lillard's done that. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. And that stuff, again, you expect that to happen sometimes because they are stars and they're going to do their complaining. And yep. like that happens all the time. This isn't like it's only a Bucks thing. Right. For me, as long as it, like, and, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but for me, I only see that stuff to a point where it's affecting the next play. I only see that a couple once or twice a game. You know, most of the time, if if Brooks complaining, it's during a dead ball. I feel like more than more than like as the play is going on. Um, and you know, again with Dame, same same thing. Now, is there? Yeah, there's once or twice a game where okay, Dame doesn't get a call and they're, they're racing back, and he's still kind of complaining. That's more where if that if that's what's happening consistently, where it's affecting the next play, um, and, and you're it's happening as the play is going on. Yes, like then I'll then I'll be more upset about it. But I know it's gonna happen a little bit. Again, they're in the NBA. These guys are trying to. They're all stars. They're trying to get these calls. They're gonna, you know, talk to the refs to try to get them to to call more later. You know, so I I understand that some of that's gonna come with it. As long as it's not affecting the plays too much, then I'm not gonna freak out about it. Here's Nathan Marzian. Follow him at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio, Green and Growing Podcast. Downloading your Odyssey app wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Check us out on YouTube as we uh, stream this bad boy live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page here on Tuesday afternoon. Normally we do it on Monday nights, but some stuff going on last night, so we had to uh, get to it today and better off because we had done it last night and been before that monstrosity of a game, and, and now we're able to talk about that garbage game uh, last night for the Bucks. Take a quick time. I'll come back on the other side. Uh, I want to talk about trades. Everybody wants to talk about trades. we got the trade calculator. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But really, at the end of the day, considering what they have for assets, how much of a difference really is it going to matter to this defense if they even do make a trade for a player? And you can come up with whatever player you want that you think will make a significant difference to this team. And I'll listen. 
I, I just I'm not necessarily convinced it's going to matter one way or the other to this team's defense. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Green and Growing Podcast. Hey, it's C Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, The Fan, along with my guy, Nathan Marzion. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Follow him at Nathan Marzion. Talking about the Bucks' horrible January, one win in the month. Uh, asking you this, how much would a trade actually change your outlook of the team's chances uh, in the playoffs at this point? Because as we record this, they're second in the Eastern Conference record-wise. It's not like, you know, they're seventh or eighth in the Eastern Conference and the record's horrible, but they've been playing horrible. And because of that, Bucks fans are acting like the world is ending currently um, and the season is about over and we're watching a 15 team win uh, 15 win team play all over again. Like we used to watch back in the day, which is not the case. Do they look horrible? They definitely look horrible. My question is again, how much would a trade change your outlook of the team's chances in the playoffs, whether it's for Caruso or whoever it may be, Chris Dunn, whoever it is, how much does it really change what this team is going to do in the playoffs based on a trade for a, essential role player at this point, unless there's somebody else out there that you think they can get. That's more than a role player that can provide uh, something more than what I'm anticipating at this point, Nathan Marzian. Yeah, it's, it's likely going to be a role player. It's likely going to be someone, you know, in that, in that realm of, of Matisse Thibel, um, you know, possibly you could get up to like a Dorian Finney Smith type of player, um, something in there. That's not the craziest trade, but like it, it's a meaningful trade. Um, and I do think it makes a difference. And I think that combined with getting Jay back makes a difference. Like when you can say, if you can trade, I mean, I, again, it could go a n- number of different ways, but any combination of, you know, Bobby, Pat, um, Marjan campaign, like any of any combination of those guys, two, three of whatever, and turn it into basically, you know, Jay Crowder plus whatever you're getting in a trade. And like all of a sudden your defense is pretty significantly better because the, the the problem defensively, it really has not been with Giannis. It hasn't been with, um, uh, like like I, I mean, I, I, we've we've had some problems defensively with Brooke, but overall, like I don't think Brooke individually has been a bad defender. It's more just how the other stuff has not helped him out as far as you know he has the to scheme. go out further. Yeah, and the the scheme overall should be helped by just adding perimeter defense. So that's been the problem. Is the the problem has come largely with the and and like even Dame, I don't think has been a huge liability on defense, but it's been more with um, Payne, Bobby, Beasley, Pat Connaughton, those type of players like that fifth through eighth type of like those fifth through eighth spots have been just not consistent defensively, not able to really prevent anything from, from getting to the rim. And again, if you can add Jay Crowder plus another guy, all of a sudden you've got two guys in that spot that are okay at doing that. And I think it really unlocks a lot of like, what Griff wants to do on defense, which is play a little bit more aggressive and, um, you know, run that type of defense. So, and then also with closing lineups, if you have two more guys out there that can play defense, like it just, it's, you, you change the the different closing lineups you can use, you change the different overall lineups you can use. I think it it definitely would help things out quite a bit. Cause I, I mean, I really do trust that overall Dame, Giannis, Chris, Brooke, that those four will be fine on defense. Like, cause they've been fine most of the year on defense together when they're on the court, it's been Beasley has been inconsistent. He's been, you know, he's good at times, but then now lately it's been kind of bad. Um, and then again, the bench has been really bad, but I think I trust those four. And then if you add a Jay Crowder, you add one more guy, like all of a sudden you've got 
a, a, a group there of like six that you kind of trust to like figure things out on the defensive end. I think it definitely could make a pretty big difference, especially considering again, that's it's clear that's the type of scheme that Griff wants to run. You have to get the players that fit that scheme. So if you can, all of a sudden it might kind of click and it might be like, okay, you know, I don't think they're going to become a top five defense or anything, but um, if you all of a sudden have players that are fitting your scheme more, you can go from being 20th defensively to being top half defensively. And all of a sudden this is, you know, a lot better. But Nathan, he was there where they got Malik Beasley. He was a part of that decision. And they got campaign. He was a part of that decision. But remember, it but wasn't remember, like these guys well, were from Bud's regime and he got stuck with them. But remember, they thought they would have Drew Holiday at that time. It's true. That's your good point. That's why. Fair that's point. why no, I don't think. Right. I don't think they. You know, when they when they signed Campaign, I think Beasley's always been a good value signing. Like, and and so I'm not going to complain about the Beasley thing, but I think signing Campaign over Javon Carter and doing like like stuff like that. I think that is something that they probably wouldn't have done if they knew, okay, we're going to have Dame instead of, instead of drew, I think you'd say, okay, we need another defensive minded perimeter guard um, on this team, but it was kind of like last minute. Oh, we can get Dame boom. Like, let's make it happen. And you kind of figure things out later. And I think that's what we're going to see is we're going to see them, you know, they get Dame, let's see how it's working. And then we'll figure it out near the trade deadline. And I trust, you know, knowing Horst, I'm I'm glad that we have a GM that I do trust to make a move. Like I'm very confident that he'll do something. Um, and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see all of a sudden them kind of adapt this whole thing to what they believe Griff wants to do, what they believe they can do with Dame now and with this type of team. Um, it's clear what the weaknesses are. You got to now, you got to now address that. And it wasn't, you know, you didn't know how it would look when they traded for Dame. Obviously there was the thought of like, okay, this might not look good defensively, but Maybe we can just always outscore teams. Maybe it'll look better than we think defensively. Well, now you've seen it. Now you've seen it for a long stretch of time, and you see that, okay, the, you know, the defense has been consistently bad. We need to address that, and I think that they will now address that. I think you will now see them, and I do believe they have – I think there's a good chance now that you know they make a move and, and trade someone like Bobby Portis because they just see how the, much the defense needs help, and – I think we've seen now consistently for a while, like that Bobby is not bringing a ton consistently. So I think there's a chance that you make a bigger move like that than people would have expected at the start of the season, because you've seen now how, how the defense looks and how this all is working, that they, they just have to address it. They got to do whatever they can to patch this up um, and make it work this season. So I, I'm, I'm expecting them to do something to get another role player in here. And again, I, I think that combination with, or that combined with, getting Jay back can make a difference, you know, cause I really think the personnel for me, the personnel is probably the biggest issue. Um, because I mean, again, the scheme isn't good, but I think the scheme could be good if you had better personnel. I think the scheme could be fine. If you had one or two more perimeter defenders out there that you're not constantly playing pain and Dame lineups, you're not constantly playing pain and Pat lineups or, stuff like that where these guys are just getting abused on defense, Payne and Beasley. Like if you can have one good defender in that guard spot to throw in there and it's Dame plus a good defender, like that changes things a ton. Like that really does change the defense. This is my thing. When you're a head coach, your job is to put the players in the best position for them to succeed. That is the job of a good head coach. Yes, I don't think necessarily that you can say Adrian Griffin has necessarily done that consistently this no. year, right? Yeah. So 
that's the first thing. The second thing is your defensive guy is Matumbo, who you brought from Toronto, who knows the scheme, obviously, that Nick Nurse and you ran. Uh, so he he understands that. You have Joe Prunty, that is from the Jason Kidd uh, tree, uh, that you brought in here as well. I wonder how much conversation there's been here in the last couple of weeks about is this the right scheme? Should we consider doing something different? Uh, are we really doing the best by our players? And either whether or not that conversation has happened internally among the coaches or whether or not that has been broached by the general manager of this team, John Horst, with Adrian Griffin, as far as are we sure we're doing what's right? Are we sure we are doing what's best to put our team defensively in the best position? Because when they hired him, it sounded great. It's nothing like Bud. It's way more aggressive. We're going to get more steals. We're going to be all over, guys. Uh, and it's going to be great. Kind of like what people want for the Packers, right? They don't want Joe Barry playing zone 24-7. They want a guy that's going to blitz like Wick Martindale with the Giants or whatever, be super aggressive and so forth. Well, if you go get that guy and that guy comes in and you're getting torched because your personnel isn't good enough to play that scheme, then everybody's going to be pissed off. Why, why are we doing this? It's not working. And at some point, you have to be willing to adjust and change. And I just wonder how long is it going to take for everybody in that organization to watch this and go, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it's like you said, maybe it's they make a trade. Let's say they get Caruso, right? They get Caruso. He's in here three weeks into Caruso and Jay Crowder being healthy. You're looking around and going, this is just as bad as it was prior to making this trade and getting Crowder back. So then what do you, do you go into the playoffs going? Yeah, we know we suck, but we're not making any changes. We're just going to play with it because I, I think that's horrible. You have to be willing to adjust and change, even if it's in season, even when it's your star player saying you have to coach better. I mean, my God, the man literally called out the coaching staff and said, I, no, hold on. He, but you can say that, but he's, I mean, he also called said. out himself. He also called out himself. He also called out other players. He also not called the out the thing. equipment man. Yes, it is. Uh, no, 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 not the he same thing. He just no. listed every single thing with the organization and said, we got to be better at all, everything. Like, that's what uh, he said. He wasn't, he wasn't saying that. Tell that, me how many times, play. tell me how many times he called out Jason Kidd or Bud. I mean, I guarantee you there's interviews where he said, you know, we got to we got to do everything better. We got to coach better. We got to play better. We so. got to do all this. I, guarantee I don't you remember him. him ever calling out Bud or kid. But he, he didn't call out Griffin. He didn't he call, they he gotta call coach out better. But he also said he's got to play better. So did he call out himself, too? Did he call himself? Of course. Out? But that's not the same yeah. thing. He that's like he's saying time. if you're if you're at your job and you're struggling. Yeah, man, I got to do better. You're not going to be like, dude, my boss has to be a better so boss out, for me to do the, better. He must, he must hate the equipment manager because he called out the equipment manager too, right? Well, I have no idea what the hell that was all about. Yeah, I have no clue. Was, because he was just, he would make it a point that like every single thing has got to be better. We got to across just the board. Say that. Be just say that. You don't call out the coaching staff in the process. You just say, dude, we all got to do our jobs better. Done. Okay, move on. It's the but same instead, thing. Instead, when you come out saying, and say, our coaches have to be better. Everybody's going to run with that because that he knows he's on social media. He knows everybody called for Adrian Griffin's job to begin with. If he said that, period, end of story, next question, then yeah, it'd be a story of, wow, he just said the coach. But he said, the coach has to be better. I have to be better. We got to play harder. You know, this guy has to be better. That guy has to be better. The equipment manager has to be better. That to me, when you put all that together, that's not calling out the coach. That's saying everything has to be better. If he had said, if he had said, yeah, you know, I, I'm really, I, we don't know what we're doing and the coach has to be better. The coaching has to be better, period. Then I'd be like, well, that's all he said. Like, he just called out the coach and didn't say anything about himself, didn't say anything about anything else. It was the coach has to be better. I I feel like people just took that and, and, and took that part of it and said he's calling out the coach. No, if he says, if he uses that part 
and then talks about everything else on top of that, then he's not he's not just talking about the coach. He's talking about everything. To me, when you're the star player of the team, you have to understand that your words are very powerful. And to when me, you're he called a out top the team. player, he, when he you're a top the player team. in the and the NBA on top of it, and your team is struggling, if you say anything about the coaches, people are going to run with it. You have to understand that. I'm not saying you're wrong, Nathan. I'm not saying well, when he it, said it, when he said it, that he didn't mean it the way you say he meant it. Very well could be true. You could be 100% correct. What I am going to say is, to him, is you have to understand the power of your words a little bit more than clearly you do at this point. He's on social media. He posts every day, damn near. So it's not you him. see. It's just for the record, it's not him posting that stuff. Okay, fine. Well, then whoever's running his account, I'm sure, is telling him that half the fan base wants his head coach fired. You can't be out there talking about your coaching staff when he's already got heat from the fan base in general. And I promise you that John Horst and uh, Fagan and these guys are also hearing it from their friends and fans. The same thing as you and I hear, which is this dude is not does not know what he's doing. And all you're doing is lighting a fire underneath that by including them in that. If he would have said, Hey man, I gotta do better. My teammates gotta do better. We gotta figure this out and go play harder. Done. That's it. Fine. He, here's the thing. If he did that, he, like here's my I have no problem with him mentioning the coach. I have a problem, like I, to me, that doesn't spark that doesn't tell me that he's calling out the coach specifically, like unless he does like again, unless he only said the coach, then I don't think he's calling out the coach specifically. But I mean, I have I, I like that he mentioned Griffin because yes, Griffin has to be better. It's no secret that he has to be better, but um, if he had just said that, if he had just said, you know, I gotta be better, you know, Chris has to be better, blah, blah, blah. And didn't mention the coach. People would say, maybe he should, maybe he should say Griffin needs to be better. Maybe he should, you know, light a fire under Griff. This is his guy. He should be, he should be holding him to a high standard too. He holds every single person to a high standard. And that's what he's saying in that. He's saying every single person has to be better in the whole organization. That's why I mentioned the freaking equipment manager is every person in the organization has to be better, you know, and, and he's lighting a fire under the organization. I don't think he's doing it. He wasn't doing it at Griffin specifically. And if you took it that way, then you take it that way. But I, for like, I, I think it's good that he mentioned Griffin because Griffin is one of the people that does have to be better. And that's Giannis saying, Hey, you know, I'm not pleased with this. I'm not, satisfied with how we look uh, you know as far as the scheme has gone as far as the coaching has gone we it has to be better and you know again he didn't just mention that if he if it was only that that he mentioned i'd say he really just called out griff but when he says that needs to be better plus he needs to be better plus the equipment manager needs to be better plus other guys need to be better then it's just him saying the whole organization needs to be better that's what he's saying It'll be fun to see how this goes going forward because he throws on the gauntlet and they lay a huge egg in the first half and nobody responds. So we'll see what happens. I I'll be honest with you. I'm, I don't want to watch the game Thursday. I don't. That's on national television against the Boston Celtics. I don't want to watch that game. We already know Celtics fans are horrible. I don't want to deal with them. And, and now, they're, I mean, there's a chance, y'all, they could get run. And if they get run on national TV... You're going to have Shaq and Barkley and all these dudes going off. Stephen A. Smith already came out and said pretty much Adrian Griffin's going to get himself fired at this point the way he's going. Stephen A. never talks like that about, about guys like that. Like I, to, to me, Stephen A. saying that is a big red alarm because that dude's connected all over the NBA. You may not like Stephen A. I'm not a big fan, um, but you may not like him, but he talks to the players. He, he's got all these guys in his phone, whatever. He's got relationships across the league. When he says that to me, that's a red flag. Like, uh oh, 
well, maybe, maybe something will come of this if they don't figure this out here at some point. I don't know. But don't go get embarrassed. Like, if you're going to lose to the Celtics, lose to the Celtics. But do not do what just happened against Utah. Do not be down 30 to Boston in this game at any point. Please. If you lose by five, if you lose by six, fine. I'll deal with it. It is what it is. We can talk about it. Do not get blown out. If you get blown out, if you think it's bad already with this fan base, you go do it on national television, you're not only going to have the fan base pissed off at you, you're going to have all these national media guys talking about what the hell is going on in Milwaukee, regardless of what your record is. Are you worried about this game at all, Nathan? I mean, obviously it's a tough matchup, but I think they're going <laughs> to... <laughs> like, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, no, I'm very confident they're going to win the game. But um, I, I do expect them to look better, man. I do. I think two days off, you know, Boston will be on a back-to-back. I think there's, I think there will be a little bit more juice, a little bit more playoff type of intensity. that, And they've played overall pretty well in, in those situations. Like, again, when the games are close late, they play better. I think in a game like this, they'll play a little bit better. Um, I... It's hard to say, you know, and again, I think either way, like if they do look bad, um, I think it's just more fuel and, and ammo that they're going to, you know, Horst will, will use to make a trade. Like I think maybe winning a bunch of games kind of could mask all this stuff and make them say, hey, we're just going to keep everyone. We're And so I try to look at the positives that way. You know, That's I'm true. not happy. I'm unhappy. But like when stretches like this happen, I'm like, OK, you know, I'd rather look this way in January than in May. Yeah. And and especially like I'm glad they look like this in January than than March when all of a sudden you can't make a trade. And it's like and again, I'm not saying they won't have a bad stretch here and there in, in March, April. Like they're not going to play well every single night, but I'd rather have this happen before the deadline. When you have some time to address it, you have the trade deadline to address it and it can motivate horse to say, no, we have to we have to move, you know, a Bobby or a pad or whatever. And we need to get another defender in here. Whereas, again, if they you know, didn't look great, but we're winning these games and they were doing just enough to win and had an even better record than they have now. And that, that continued to the deadline. They might say, Oh, you know, we're just going to leave it. I think everything's fine. The chemistry's pretty good. We're just going to leave it. And then all of a sudden it blows up in your face later. Like this, this could end up being something that we look back on and say, Hey, that January, you know, stretch that really, you know, forced our hand to make some trades and it helped our team out. So, um, Regardless, like I think if they look really bad against Boston, it makes it even that much more likely that they make a bigger move later and really make some big changes here. Um, but I do expect them to look better. I, I expect that to be a good game. I expect it to be close. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but um, I definitely expect them to look better than they than they'd have the last couple. Getting you know Dame will be back. I just I don't know. I, I think he'll get going pretty soon here. Hopefully, it can be in that game. Marzian, are you good for a post podcast Thursday night? Um, I'll be at the game, but. Okay, well, I could start it, uh, and then you can just hop in whenever you get back. Yeah, yeah. If we win, there. I mean, if we win, I might, I might be I'm trying to think. We'll figure it out. Either if way, we win. I might go out because I'm going to be in a very good mood. Look at you. And if you lose, then you do not go out. Is that the rule? I mean, it depends on the game. Like, there's games that I'm like, <laughs> you know, if they if they lose to Boston, and it's a Thursday, like on a Thursday night, I'm I'm usually not going out to begin with. But if they win and they beat Boston, like that's a good enough win that I'm like, all right, I'm going out to celebrate. What if this they're thing. down 25 going into the fourth? Are you leaving or are you staying on a Thursday I'm, night? I'm gonna stay, even the if only, they're down I, 25 going into the fourth. Yeah, the only way I'd leave is if it was 25 with two minutes left, and right. you know, I'm like, all right, we can leave. Like it's fine. 
But a whole fourth quarter left. No, I'm not going to leave with a whole quarter left. I didn't know how early you want to get to the bar to forget about it or whatever the case may be. Uh, he is Nathan Marzian. I'm definitely doing the post-game podcast on Thursday. We'll see if Marzian is with me or not. Either way, they better not get embarrassed because I'm going to scream forever if they get embarrassed. But again, uh, but again, again. He's going to try, try to be like, positive. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Like, <laughs> And I'll be I'll – be like, here's the thing. I am very positive with this team. I'm very – with the Bucks. I have a hard time ever criticizing them too much. But know that I get just as frustrated as anyone. Like I get really, really upset when they're playing bad. I get, you know, I get way too invested in regular season games. I'll be very upset if they lose to Boston. But I just try to have the mindset of like, if they go out and and you know they lose by twenty five and it's like, damn, they just look awful. Like again, I'm just gonna try to use it as like, hey, this this will this makes it even more likely, you know, ten percent more likely that something significant will happen pretty soon here and. They'll they'll improve pretty soon here. Um, you know, you obviously. Want I, I to- got one more thing here because we got to wrap this up. We're way late. How much of a difference? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but me and my sales guy Shannon were talking about it at work today. How big of a difference do you think if they were able? It would have to be a three team trade, I think, for it to work. If they were to get Deontay Murray from Atlanta, how big of a difference do you think that makes? I don't love it. Um, It'd be interesting, you know. If it happened, I wouldn't like immediately be like, "Oh no, this sucks." I'd be, I'd be pretty intrigued, but I don't think he's a great defensive player, and which is that my main thing. Like, if you're gonna make a trade, you better improve the freaking defense because that's the one thing. That's kind of the your one job right now is improve this defense. But um, you know, it'd make them more even more dynamic on offense because you had another ball handler in there. But he does seem to kind of need the ball in his hands quite a bit on a team with two guys, three guys that already kind of are like that. And I don't love the defense. So to me, I mean, it could throw a wrench in the works on the other end. You know, you're, you're already trying to figure out the defense. I feel like adding a player like that could all of a sudden complicate the offense even more than it already is. So um, I, I don't love it, but it wouldn't, you know, he's, he's a talented enough player um, that it would be intriguing to like add him to this team. But for me, I'd rather just get like, I'd be like, all right, we, we got our three to four core core guys and just it, get a couple defenders to put around them, and then you see how this whole thing works out. That's what I would do personally. He is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Green and Growing. We will talk to you immediately following the Bucks and Celtics coming up on Thursday night. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles.